That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Niagara Moon Losing my opinion Well, welcome to another episode of Losing My Opinion. I am Thomas Irwin. And I am Matt Longo. Of Thin Lear. Are we doing that too? Do we say our, uh, say our band name? Are we doing that? I, I'm Niagara Moon. I'm t- I don't even know who I am anymore. I got sure. too many identities floating yeah. around. A lot of alter egos. Do you have any idea how many email addresses I have to juggle between now? I don't. It's gotten out of control. I can imagine. I got like eight or nine. Well, I feel like this is more professional, I think, than the last time we started without introducing ourselves. Uh, just like, oh, let me tell you about the song. Yeah. Well, we're very passionate. That's okay, too. We're passionate people. You know, sometimes we forget that uh, people don't know who we are when we're talking to them. We just walk up to strangers <laughs> on the street and start uh, talking about, yeah. uh, you know, a Slade album. Uh, I concur. So... We the whole the whole kind of gimmick behind the show is I have no idea what you're going to present me with today, mm-hmm. and you do not know what I'm going to present you with. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd le- I'd love to hear what you have in store for me if you want to. Sure, I, I have a, a pretty uh, passionate argument today. I feel it's it's a subject that I talk about a lot. Um, I bring it up to friends and family. I bring it up at wedding receptions, holidays. You know, whenever I can. Uh, and it does make people uncomfortable. Uh, but I'll, I'm going to come right out and say it. Uh, I don't care if you agree with me or don't initially, but I want to make sure you agree with me by the end of the episode. That's oh, all, that's all you're I care invested. I'm, I'm okay. very passionate about this. And it, like, it makes me upset, actually. Legitimately, it makes, I was getting upset as I was writing it this morning. Uh, so here it is. Rand, Randy Newman is one of the most unfairly depicted and underappreciated songwriters in the history of popular music, especially for generations that weren't around when he was making his classic run. And I do not think I'm being hyperbolic here. I've had this argument for for years. Uh, I'm prepared to go to war today. I'm fired up. So here's the issue. Hard agree. Okay. I love Randy Newman. Okay, so I'm not really going to be fighting with you. Yeah, we're going to fight with the people out there who think he's being serious in short people. Okay. And I've met uh, some folks like that. Oh, 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 Thomas. I'm not even, like, <laughs> I would welcome that argument. I'm talking about the oh, people boy. who, you know, what do you think of initially when you think of what people might know about Randy Newman? What do you think of? Uh, they see him in Family Guy. What do people think of? They think of Toy Story. Okay. The really stupid Family Guy episode. I really hate that show, but the, the Family Guy episode yeah. where he's like singing about things that are happening in real time. Uh, this might be more of an obscure one. This is kind of our, our age uh-huh. demographic. But I think I know Will what you're going to say. Yes, Will Sasso. <laughs> Will, and I love Will Sasso. But Will Sasso's depiction of him on Mad TV that, while hilarious, was just like ridiculously insulting. Jedi Knights are ready to fight. Right. I love like, that. Like just a deranged hack. Like he was a deranged hack yeah. of a song. Star Wars. Every song sounds the same, and he's just like lazy as hell. So there's this this idea that he's incredibly lazy, that he's just like staring at things in the room and writing about he's them. He's tone deaf. That, right, that he's tone deaf. Uh, so these things don't paint him in the best light. Uh, in terms of why he is depicted this way, I mean, Toy Story is like, is ubiquitous. That music was 
everywhere and continues to be everywhere. And, and I think what, what happens is when you make music for children that does that well, there's the potential for this backlash. Uh, and it's easy to kind of take shots at it because it's so kind of inherently naive and childlike because it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, he did the Monk theme song a little after, and that wasn't his finest. It's the jungle out there. That song is not you good. You have no idea how many times my fiance and I have sung that song back and forth to each other. Was that your wedding uh, song? We, <laughs> it could be. We've seen every episode of Monk. Okay. All right. So actually, it really resonated with Tony you. Tony Shalhoub forever. Disorder and confusion everywhere. I could sing a whole thing. Yeah, I feel like we're going into the depictions that I uh, did not like. But yeah, so the Monk theme song, which is I think is not good. It seems like you enjoyed it a bit more. Oh, get out of here. Now now we're disagreeing. Uh, There's the Meet the Parents music, which is just objectively not good. Uh, Monsters, Inc. You know, he, he did a lot of soundtracks that weren't amazing. But it's not like he was turning out garbage. Uh, and he was also releasing records steadily um, that yeah. were amazing, uh, that were coming out, you know, under his own name, not like, you know, part of uh, a, a TV series or whatever. It, it's just when he was coming out with the soundtrack stuff, it was more more middle of the road for extremely popular franchises. And it's a very soft side of him. It's him at his, if you're going to call him hokey, that's the stuff that's hokey. But it's really not fair for him to be stuck there legacy-wise moving forward, like Elton John. It's not like he's only remembered for the Lion yeah, King soundtrack. Exactly. Right? Well, Elton John was a singer of the people. I mean, that guy knows how to have like a 50,000 people concert or whatever, bring them all together and sing anthems and be the pop star. Randy Newman is a misanthrope. Yeah, he's you know? a, he is without a doubt a misanthrope. I mean, Elton, you're, you're right. Elton was so huge beforehand that he didn't have to worry about getting stuck when he did the Lion King soundtrack. Randy wasn't ever at that level of popularity, but I would say, and I do like, um, you know, Elton's got a run of albums that's amazing too. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but it doesn't touch Randy Newman's run in the 70s. That that puts him, for me, in the upper echelon of pop songwriters. Yeah, he's, probably, he's probably the finest lyricist of his generation. 12, Maybe. 12 songs. Yeah. We're talking about- 12 songs, yep. We're talking about Sail Away. Uh, we're talking about Rednecks. Um, Matt meant to say "Good Old Boys" because Rednecks is a song on "Good Old Boys." I mean, Boys. Th- those Rednecks, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're not going to listen to that. song. We're not going to we? listen to that song today. Uh, you're definitely not going to listen to that song on this podcast. But th- those three yeah. three records are stone cold classics. Um, Absolutely. Uh, that's one of those things. I mean, you brought it up at the beginning, where it's like people, you know, looking at the song "Short People" and being like, "Does he really feel like that? Is that how he feels?" Like. You know, the fact that he wasn't performing under a moniker as a band, and it was just like, my name is Randy Newman. Um, yeah. It sort of made it so he was associated with these characters that he was com- coming up with in these songs, these these racists, these uh, uh, monsters, murderers, misogynists, and, and it all kind of got pegged onto him. They think it's him, because yes. if somebody's singing, why wouldn't they be singing about themselves? Yes, yeah, and especially because he was singing in this... Every, take everything at face value right. all the right. time. And, and he was singing in the age of the singer-songwriter, the 70s, when everybody was doing like relationship records, and he was writing, you know, uh, mm. Sail Away and Rednecks. Um, so I, I would include Little Criminals in there, too, as that record is excellent. Um, I don't think he really has a bad album, but there's definitely something magical about that three or four album run of records um mm. for anybody who doesn't know uh randy newman before he hit his stride there so he was like a songwriter's songwriter 
So he's writing for other people. Yeah, his songs were famous, even if he wasn't. Yes. Plenty of people did covers. Yeah, he he had fans early on, and people like Harry Harry Nielsen, who we have talked about in in various other incarnations of the, uh, this podcast on the Niagara Moon podcast. Mm-hmm. We talked about that uh, him. Okay, so the first tune we're going to listen to this is from Twelve Songs, the the first record I think where um, he really uh, found his voice. Uh, and it's a mm-hmm. record just full of deranged characters, um, a lot of disturbing depictions of the American family. And uh, and this song is particularly uh, unsettling. So here we're going to listen. I'm going to take you to uh, partway in. Here we go. I took down your number, looked up your address. And I was hoping maybe you could love me too. I don't like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> no. No. I'm going to wait in shadow for you to come back. I'm going to wait in shadow. Is this the same guy from You Can Leave Your Hat On? I, you know, that's a good question. The same creep? It often felt like there were, yeah, like some of these guys were like, they'd show up again. I mean, this character, uh, for anyone who hasn't heard the song, it's called Suzanne. And it's about this this guy is, is I, I think, just waiting in the bushes for... He's a stalker. A, a, he's a stalker. He's, he's, he's obsessed with a woman. He's 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 talking about how maybe she could love him in the same way that he loves her. I mean, it, it is like a, a terrifying song, and it's sort of done in this uh, countrified, uh, sweet way. But then these strings come over the top as the song uh, continues and escalates, where you get this really unsettling uh, feeling. And he's just masterful as an as an arranger, uh, and the lyrics are, are stick with you like a horror film. That makes mm. you have to uh, go to the bathroom with the door open for the week after you see it. <laughs> it's, it's that those are the kinds of songs that he writes, and I just can't think of who else was writing songs like this at that time, or who else is writing songs like this now. Yeah, it, there were not a lot of songwriters then, and there barely are more now who are willing to be creepy. Yes. Yeah, he didn't have. I mean, you you called him a misanthrope at the at the start. He has no problem. Uh, I, I think he has, he has no problem getting uh, misunderstood. I mean, I don't think he likes it, but he clearly is, is sort of fearless in that way. Uh, I think he's just resigned to it. He's like, right. this is the art I do. I can't help it if this is how people are going to react to it, but I, this is what I do. I mean, what can I tell you? So moving on from 12 songs, uh, Sail Away was his next record. And these are coming out like boom, yeah. back to back. To back. Bam, 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 yeah. Uh, Sail Away is probably my favorite album of his. Uh, it's an album that Brian Wilson said actually kept him from sliding further into madness during his lost years. Wow. Um, the title track of this song, I just feel like it's one of the best songs ever written. Uh, it's an absolutely yes. brutal depiction of the American dream and slavery. Um, the music critic Grell Marcus said it was like a vision of heaven superimposed on hell. 
Uh, Whoa! It's it's this That's song some poetry is, right there. It's some poetry right there, and and it's it, this is it's really it's a horror movie. Uh, it's it's the narrator of the song is trying to sell the idea of America to an African child um, during yeah. during the time of slavery, and uh, I mean the concept of the song is sickening enough to just turn you off to it completely. But then it's also musically beautiful to accompany this disgusting character breaking melody yeah yeah uh and it, it sticks with you i mean I, I heard this when i was in my teens and it was just like i didn't know that you could write songs that uh were like this i didn't know you, you could write short stories uh and turn them into a, a three-minute pop song here check it out sail away What's in Charleston Bay, Matt? Um, Freedom, buckwheat cake. <laughs> well, that's what the that's what the narrator is uh, hyping up throughout the song. I mean, that I, I sort of can't I can't think of another song that does that to the same degree where the, the arrangement is pairing this really sweet, grand, sweeping arrangement with like just the most sickening lyrics you can think of i mean the the sort of the ratio of like how how disgusting is the concept versus how sweet is the arrangement right. it does not yeah. get more disparate he liked to do that yeah he, a lot he did it really well um I, I think the song that he does it the best on to sort of whittle down the number of uh links i'm sending you here just listeners fyi i had about uh, 20 song links for today that Thomas has wisely asked me to whittle down. But just think I mean, you could be in listening. In your defense, it's Randy Newman. It is Randy Newman, but I just want you to know you could have been listening to uh, 10 different 20-second clips instead of like three or four. So we'll blame <laughs> that on Thomas. Um, but this, the song I'm about to play now, so this is off of uh, um, uh, Little Criminals. And and going back to that idea of just like that, uh, this the the sweetness of the arrangement versus how horrific the lyrics are. Um, this is for anyone who kind of sees this guy as some kind of Pixar indebted lightweight. Uh, for anyone who sees him as the hokey tunesmith of Mad TV, uh, uh, <laughs> that depiction or, or Family Guy's stupid uh, depiction. This song is one thousand times more disturbing and goosebump inducing than, than any death metal song I've ever heard. Like there, there is no black metal song. There's no death metal song that compares to how frightening these lyrics are. This is songwriting as short story. It's a narrative about a German serial killer who, uh, in, in, in pre-war Germany, uh, stalking a victim who happens to be a child. Uh, and there's this lyric in the chorus. It's called In, in Germany Before the War. Uh, and there's a lyric in the chorus that says, I'm looking at the river, but I'm thinking of the sea. Uh, and he keeps coming back to this line. And in between in the verses, it's this this killer is is stalking this child. Uh, and, and yet the, the, the chorus, there's like a weird sympathy in there for this uh, mentally ill murderer who's longing for something, even though he's not sure what it is. Uh, I think that's the definition of Randy Newman songs is a weird sympathy. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the main character. He he humanizes this monster, and it makes it 
even more sickening before because then you're like, oh, goodness, like now I'm in the mind of this monster. Uh, but anyway, let's play the tune. So when you're trying to convince somebody about this, is this the point at, in the night where they're like walking away and you're like shouting at them to come back? And Well, this is when they usually say, Matt, this is my wedding day. Uh, <laughs> this is not what I want to be. I don't want to hear sail away on my wedding day. I don't want to hear you talk about why people should not think about, you know, the Monk theme song when they think about Randy Newman or like, you know, Matt, my child was just born. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this. I could be wrong now, but I don't think so. I don't like that song. I, I will. I, yeah, I don't. Bum, uh... bum, bum. Okay, here we go. Ready? A little girl has lost a way. Mm. They are golden eyes of gray. I'm looking at the river, but I'm thinking of the sea. Thinking. I mean, what what an arrangement yeah what a song i mean it's just it's a score already a in score. the 70s he was doing score-esque music it, that that track is just like a it's a towering achievement and there's, there's that line where he says um you know hair of golden eyes of gray reflected in his glasses as he watches her like it's, it's just horrifying and then that that lyric of i'm looking at the river but i'm thinking of the sea i mean i've thought about that line a lot and i can't it's broad enough where we, you could fit it into a bunch of different like ideas of what it could mean, and yet so specific that it's, it's just uh, it's haunting. Uh, that's that's a nuanced horror film as pop song, uh, and I yeah. just I don't I don't I can't think of any other songwriter that can do that. Uh, we could have spent the entire podcast today talking about that one song. Uh, mm. It opens the mind. He opens the mind to what is possible in a three to four minute tune, and he's still making great music. He's more like in his lane now, but um, it's still tremendous songwriting. Yeah. And, and you know, he's a little more heartfelt, I think, than he was before. It's more about relationships. But Thomas, it seems like you already agreed with me. But would would you say that he is one of the most sort of misunderstood, underappreciated songwriters? Well, we do disagree on the Monk theme song, but otherwise, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Randy Newman, when he's on fire, nobody can touch him with songwriting and, and taking the point of view of somebody else, uh, an unlikely narrator, to having a song. Um, you know, the people that know what's up know that he's the best. Uh, Paul Simon is willing to, to, to come in on a tune of his uh, you know, Dylan's a fan. Everybody loves Randy Newman, who's who's in the know. But the thing about him being like, you know, the sort of cartoonish children's writer is just it's very unfair. I mean, let, let, think about the songs that we only the songs we listen to today. Yeah, we do. Murders, we barely scratch the surface. 
Yeah, and there's you and got there's Marie, nothing... you got Birmingham, you got <laughs> freaking short people. I mean, old Kentucky home. Yeah. Uh, there's a song called "Mr. President, um, Have Pity on the Working Man." That could be about Trump. I mean, it, what's sad is that so many of the themes that he's talking about, um, you know, this, this visceral racism that he that he comes back to frequently in his music, that the depiction of the American dream as like this horrible fraud, entitled misogynist, jingoist, yeah. jingoistic idiots. He, he does a really perfect job of skewering like specific kinds of dumbass yes. American thinking. And his satire hurts because you see people you know in there uh, and it's and it's ugly. Yep. Uh, and I think it's not the kind of music that you can have on, you know, put on Spotify and like, you know, it's not a lo-fi study beat. You know, like you're not going to be able to, to just kind of chill out and listen to some Randy Newman. Like yeah. I, I, I just, it's uh, it's it's too challenging for that. Yeah, Randy Newman really sings the truth of a lot of situations, and people don't want to hear the truth. I mean, you got to be in a certain state of mind to uh, to really want to dig into the themes he's talking about. But if you do, he's there for you. He's he's absolutely one of the best. Well, Thomas. I think our listeners probably have heard enough about Randy Newman today, um, though I will probably devote more time to him at some point. Mm-hmm. Not the next episode, but later in, in the future, just because. Oh, um, yeah. No, they, we have I, not I have tapped the, the full potential of, uh, of Mr. Newman. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, last week, I tortured myself uh, digging through the works of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, but I had a much more pleasant week this week uh that was awful by the way can i just if the listeners i don't know the chronology of how these episodes will come out but um that record was not good (laughs) um well i made things a lot easier on myself this week i I enjoyed an art i revisited an artist that you know I'm, i'm pretty fond of i would imagine that you're a bigger fan of them than i am i assume you know about them uh does the name bob dylan ring a bell uh, yeah, I've I've heard of him. You mean Robert Zimmerman? Robert right? Zimmerman, yeah, as he's more yeah. commonly yeah, yeah, known yeah. as. Yeah, right. That's what people know. Um, yeah, he made uh, some Christian music in the '80s, and I guess some other songs too. I mean, he he doesn't really get his his due, right? Not a lot of people are talking about him. It seems like. No, no, I don't think so. And and you know, the extent of what he did, I think you could probably. We have about twenty minutes. I yeah. think you could probably cover. You're doing a full career retrospective, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what we're doing You know, right it's, now. it's not like there's been thousands of articles and biopics and documentaries and concert films and remasters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think it's pretty daring if two white guys from the Northeast talk about Bob Dylan on a podcast. I feel like that's pretty unexplored territory, generally. It probably hasn't been done enough, yeah. no. I think we're going to bring something new to it today. That's well, what I think. Well, there, there I, I mean, <laughs> there is a specific... Are we going to talk about his Sinatra records or... <sighs> I mean, there is a very specific uh, point I do want to hone in on today. We're not just... I mean, anybody can sit around and talk about Bob Dylan for an hour. But, uh, I mean, before we get too into what... I'm curious, Matt, what is your relationship with uh, the music of Bob Dylan? Uh, I mean, I, I loved it. <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> I it's uh, if you play guitar, I think it's like New York State law that you have to be super into him, right? Yeah, I mean, like uh, it's one of those artists like like Bowie or I don't know, uh, 
Marvin Gaye for me or, or, you know, where it feels like you discovered them, even though they're like massively (laughs) popular. Uh, But when you're 12 years old, it feels like you're discovering an artist like that. And there's so much great music to dig into. I mean, I heard Highway 61 Revisited. It was the first record I um, had from him and uh, heard Desolation Row. And, you know, talking about songs that sort of blew your mind in terms of what a pop song can be, like that song did it for me. In terms of who he is as a person, I have no idea who he is. He doesn't want, he doesn't want does. you to know, which I'm, I mean, I can, no, I can appreciate not, that. <laughs> he's not a hero, you know, in the way that like Leonard Cohen is or... And he's also not like tragic in the way that like, you know, Jonas Joplin or, or someone like that, where you, you kind of lament their arc. Uh, I don't know where he fits, but like, I don't even really think of him as like a flesh and blood kind of. Yeah, he's he's like Benjamin Franklin, freaking Abraham Lincoln at this point, just in terms of just ubiquitous cultural figure. Yeah. I yeah. I would guess you're probably a bigger fan then me, his music might be a little more important to you. Um, but if you get him in, for me, if you get him in the right era, the you know the right song, I have a very, I do have a very strong admiration uh, for his stuff and, and really enjoy it. Um, I might be a little more picky than others, but you know, Blood on the Tracks easily, you know, one of the best singer songwriter albums of all time. It's uh, it's a curious thing. You get a lot of different Bob Dylan's, don't you? Right? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have a favorite? Um, well, I like, I mean, I like the manic, like speed freak Dylan of like 66, um, blonde on blonde era. Yeah. You like him right, right up before he had that motorcycle accident. Yeah. The motorcycle accident. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in quotation marks. It doesn't, I mean, there's, there's talk. It's it's not like a Paul is dead thing, but like it, there's talk that like maybe he didn't actually have the accident and he just kind of wanted to step away at that point. Well, because I was going to, and this is so, I have a very specific point I want to make, and we have so not gotten there yet, but um, if he hadn't had that accident, and I'm doing the finger quotes myself now, do you think he would have been a Janis Joplin, like a join the 27 club? You know, maybe. I mean, he he stepped away. I mean, he he was on a path of like... um, have you ever seen that the Todd Haynes movie? I'm not there. I haven't. I think it does a really. I don't want to see another Bob Dylan movie personally. But <laughs> I've heard it's good. It's that one's. It's worth watching. What Todd Haynes is amazing, and yeah. and that, um, yeah, that that movie I feel like does a good job of sort of saying like here are a bunch of different Bob Dylans, and you have no idea who he is, and we don't either. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. Yes, uh, and and it does a good job of showing him sort of uh, building towards mental and physical collapse before the crash yeah so you you like him right up before that when he's fried he's he's fried he sounds fried like his singing voice and the way he delivered mm-hmm. line. i mean that's just like the the ultimate parody of himself is that era like haven't slept in three days like his little mm-hmm. yeah. singing in between the notes and all that stuff all right so that's the era you like uh i guess the most if you had to pick one it's it seems that one or his like Nashville skyline John Wesley Harding thing ah. right after where he's like all like sweet crooner, um, and they said he stopped smoking cigarettes during that era, but like I think he was just trying to sound like the Chet Atkins produced Nashville sound at that time. It was like all right, I'm gonna croon. Yeah, doing a new doing a new character. Um, yeah, so the the thing that I'm honing in on today because why would you just bring up Bob like 
anybody can just talk about Bob Dylan for an hour, but I want to talk about Bob Dylan, the vocalist. And we've already gotten into it a little wow. bit where depending on the era, he's doing something completely different with his voice. Um, okay. But as a vocalist, do you like him most doing that thing? That that's or you know uh, what I mean? What I the, what the say. fuck is going on in Nashville skyline with the Kermit the Frog stuff? You know, like I, I do. Li- I I li- kind of enjoy what it's he's fine, doing. It's fine, but it's like, what the? Who is this guy? I mean, he's whatever he's, colors I, I, you have in your mind. <laughs> it is very froggy. It's very froggy. I mean, I I think he. I prefer his singing where he kind of sounds like he has a cold, like towards the end of his folk era, Mm. Um, uh, like maybe like the second half of um, Bring It All Back Home. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, Like that kind of, that kind of sound where he's just like, it's really close mic'd and he's kind of raspy and he sounds tired. Uh, That's my favorite vocal era. Now, would you say Bob Dylan is a good vocalist? Um. You know, I mean, this is that like American Idol thing where it's like, oh, if you had Neil Young on American Idol, he wouldn't win. It's like, no, yeah, no shit, he wouldn't win. Like these these people, you know, Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, I mean, even Janis Joplin, like her voice could peel the paint off walls. It's so powerful. But like, is it objectively um, the kind of voice that would do well in now in the way that people listen to like, you know, TikTok vocalists or whatever? Like, no, absolutely not. It's much too... Uh, raw and authentic and I, I think it's I don't think of it we were just talking about Randy Newman like is his voice objectively <laughs> good like these people put a, they put across their songs amazingly well and it's just like they have a great tool for their songs um, right it's a tool for it. their I, songs it's not conventionally good you know there's context it's you know serving the song blah 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 that's that's the narrative with, with Mr. Zimmerman yeah. right my theory that I'm putting henceforth today is Bob Dylan is a conventionally, well, back in the day, nowadays he's a demon monster, but back in the day, he was capable capable of being a good singer in a conventional sense. He could have sang better or more competently in a conventional way, I think, and chose not to. Whoa. I think, you know, you brought up American Idol. I was going to bring up American Idol, so thanks for stealing my thoughts. Sure. You know, they, you could make a joke about how, yeah, he'd never passed the first round of American Idol. There might be an argument to be made in any small way that he maybe could have passed the first round of American Idol if he was a different kind of artist, different kind of artist with a uh, different goal in mind. And I have a particular song to, to point towards. That's really interesting. You know, you're sort of, as you're talking, you're, you're making me think of kind of the beginning of this conversation where we're saying, who is this person? Uh, and I think he's surrounded by so much affectation. Yeah, he's and, very like, conscious artifice. about the affectation. Yeah. And it affects his voice because, you know, we're talking about like, at the beginning, he's really influenced by Woody Guthrie. I mean, Joni Mitchell said... You know, I, I dismissed him because I thought he was a Woody Guthrie clone. Right. So there's a lot that he's – there's a lot of uh, anthology of American folk music stuff that he's doing with his voice at the start of his career. And it's radically altering uh, everything he does moving forward then vocally because then he finds his voice through that. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting argument that you're making. I am going to play you what I believe to be his finest – Vocal performance, if we're just speaking strictly in terms of is he hitting the notes and hitting them good. 
and I okay. just sent you a link. Oh, wow. Okay. So maybe you're familiar with the song called Forever Young. I am. And we're going to play the slow it's version. What I, it's what I consider myself. <laughs> um, so we're going to play, I'll, I'll cut to maybe about 30 seconds in here. Here we go. He's like doing the kind of singing the notes thing here still. Yeah, mystical, mystical man. Alright, we're gonna get into it now though. I think he's hitting those notes. He's hitting them. He's he's hitting the big he's hitting the big notes. He's hitting those spotlight notes. Yeah. So we're, we'll pause there for a sec. But I, you know, he's trying in that way more so than you hear with a typical song. And again, don't get me wrong. I love the way he delivers certain songs, and he's. He's putting his little vocal spin on it, but I think there's an alternate reality where he could, like, if you p- put him into a vocal correction software, he'd be more on the notes. I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I, I, you know, there are times when I was like heavily into Dylan and like <laughs> listening to, you know, the Bootleg series and whatnot. Um, there's a performance of um, Ballad of a Thin Man, I think, from. Uh, it's a live performance. It's on one of the bootleg series ones. I think it's the Royal Albert Hall or I don't know. It's, it's the performance where he went electric there during that era. He's playing with the band and he tells him, play fucking loud. It's that that show, the, the Judas show. He's singing that song and he's just like wailing, but he's he's hitting the notes. It's very powerful. It sort of reminds me of the way Willie Nelson sings where you, you can't really pinpoint what he's doing. You, you couldn't You could imitate it. But it's uh, it's so distinct, and yet when he needs to belt, he does it. Got and it. Sounds huge. Yeah. Now I have a quote uh, on the ready here because you know so far all I've done is play you a minute of audio, and you might be thinking, yeah, I guess like he's sort of, maybe. I got a quote here that I think hits this point home even a little more. Um, this is talking about the process of recording Forever Young for the Planet Waves album. And I'm so, this is from Wikipedia, so you know it's true. There's no chance that it might be misinformation. Of course. Yeah. Um, after several false starts, Dylan and the band executed what would ultimately be one of two master takes for Forever Young. However, Dylan nearly rejected the performance after hearing some disparaging criticism from one particular visitor. Um, in quotation marks, we did only one complete take of the slow version of Forever Young, recalls Rob Fram- Fraboni. Rob Fraboni was the uh, engineer at the time for this album. Uh, This take was so riveting. It was so powerful, so immediate. I couldn't get over it. When everybody came in, nobody really said anything. I rewound the tape and blah, 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 blah. There was no discussion. Uh, Everybody just left. There was just a friend and I sitting there. Uh, More blah, 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 blah here. I was so mesmerized by it again. I didn't even notice that Bob had come into the room. So when we were assembling the master reel, I was getting ready to put that take on the master reel. I didn't even ask. And Bob said, what are you doing with that? We're not going to use that. 
And I jumped and said, what do you mean we're not going to use that? You're crazy. Why? Well, during the recording, uh, Lou Kemp, Dylan's childhood friend, and this girl came by and she had made a crack to him. Come on, Bob. What? Are you getting mushy in your old age? It was based on her comment that he wanted to leave that version off of the record. Uh, from Boney, Fraboni, I can't say his freaking name. Fraboni would defend the recording, and when he refused to relent, Dylan reconsidered and allowed him to include it on the album. So his singing in this song was too good, too just conventionally pretty and heartfelt, and without some mm. spin and some weirdness and quirk, he just laid it out there flat and was scared afterwards and had to take some convincing. That's really that's interesting. I've never heard that story before. It's sort of in keeping with the other stuff I've heard about him, where he is like really sensitive to criticism, um, and and especially criticism when it comes to like um, you know his his image and and the mystique of what he does. Uh, I've not heard it with like the vo- the voice before. I mean, the only thing I'd heard about with his vocals were relating to the Nashville Skyline sessions, where everyone was just like, "What the fuck is he doing?" <laughs> right. Yeah. When, when I think about his his vocals, I, for some reason, I think about Karen Dalton a lot. If you know her, um, where you know her vocals definitely. I don't. I don't know if you'd call them like uh, clean or you know whatever good means. Good vocals are. But like her voice is just heartbreaking, um, and I don't think his voice is heartbreaking in that way. But it it definitely elicits emotion. I mean, his when he's at his best, that like sort of snarl that yeah. he does that that works really well in that nasal rambling mm-hmm. style. Like you listen to like positively forced. I was gonna like, say I like him the most when he's like and another thing. I have another grievance. Like idiot wind. Right. Those are my favorite. Yeah. 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 It's good for when he's like needling someone. So it's like a really. Uh, cantankerous sort of style but it's, it's perfect for that because it's just like when i think of those emotions in song i think of his voice now how picky are you with the man's uh discography because he's got like what like 460 albums like do, do you have a cutoff point or um yes <laughs> sort of like around i mean i i don't really listen too much to those few albums in between um, Nashville Skyline and Blood on the Tracks. Oh, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. New Morning? You, know, you don't like New Morning? I like certain songs off New Morning. I like Went to See the Gypsy, uh, Man, and, Man Me. and Me. You know, there's there's some good tunes. Planet Waves is, uh, you know, this one is, is, is okay. But they're not records that I really okay. But like. so you, you'll do Desire, you do Street Legal? I love Desire, and I do like Street Legal, and then I sort of drop off. Okay, again. yeah, because I was going to say, uh-huh. like, by the time, because I love Desire, Street Legal's, you get to, like, Infidels, and I think vocally, by that point, he's in, like, um, can someone please collect this deranged individual and get him off the stage? Like, yeah. whoa, like with Joker Man, like, yeah. so, yeah, yeah I think there, there's, like, a point of no return with his vocals for me. I get that people still love the later half of his career he did some like 15 minute song about jfk or whatever like great if you love that stuff go for it i'm sure it's probably well written i can't do it because of that voice now like what his voice became like i cannot get past it i don't i don't know if you have a similar thing um it's not his vocals that bug me so much as like his odd choices Mm. uh 
you know, like the Sinatra cover albums. and Because um, I was going to show one more song. You know, I, I've made the point that I think Bob Dylan is a more competent voc- vocalist than a lot of people might give him credit for. Um, I want to present some other evidence that, um, you know, really he should be barred from getting in front of a microphone <laughs> ever again. Uh, okay, so we're going to look at the opposite side you're, of this? You were talking about... Uh, Sinatra albums. I don't know anything about that, but I do want to play a track from his Christmas album from 2009 called Christmas in the Heart. Um, I do want to say right off the bat, he made this album for charity. Like, good for him. If people like this album, they want to purchase it, listen to it. Like, you know, it's for a good cause. Who the hell am I to talk? Um, but also this it's for a good cause. What do you it, mean? It was it, the, all the proceeds from the out al- from this album went to uh, charity, went to like, what the hell is it called? Feeding America. Like it, it was, uh, when well, I got it open here. Wow. Yeah. Uh, all royalties from the sale of Christmas in the heart benefited the charities feeding America in the USA crisis in the UK, the world food program in perpetuity, like awesome. Like, and also that's great. I'm not someone I don't think anybody is to tell Dylan what kind of artist he is or like it's weird that he would do a Christmas album. I would I tell him. I have his email. I <laughs> talk to him pretty regularly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so maybe you have some special privilege, but it's like I'm not going to get hung up on the idea of him doing a Christmas cover album or whatever the fuck else he wants to do. I don't care cuz I'm not going to listen to it anyway cuz I can't get past that voice. But I, there's okay. a particular tune I just I don't know how and this has its fans, but I don't know how anyone can hear this and not be like, I, I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight. There's uh, goblins are real. Um, so, okay. so I'm going to, I'm going to send you this link. Oh God. So we're going to listen to, yeah, I, I know this. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> okay. I know this song and, um, this is shit. Yeah. <laughs> so this is must be Santa or as the top YouTube commenter, uh, said, uh, once upon a time must be Satan's claws. Um, so we're going to listen a little bit of this. Here we go. Oh, it's a great start. Who's got a beard that's long and white? Who's got a beard that's long and white? Who comes around on special night? Who's got a special night? Special night, beard that's white. Must be Santa. Must be Santa. I really don't know what to say about this. I mean, I, I, I remember. Who wears boots and suit of red? Who wears a long cap on his head? It's so like. We're gonna get to my favorite part in a sec. Who's got a big red cherry nose? Cherry nose. He seems like he's having a great time, though. I feel like it was some doctor's way of secretly giving him a cognitive test. Like, can you repeat all these things back to me? (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does a a list at the end of every verse. Yeah. I knew you were going to choose that one. Um... (laughs) One, because the video itself is just, like, completely batshit. Uh, and it's it's so, like, frenetic and just, like, it, it doesn't, like, his vocals don't match the tone of what the song is, which is just, like, you know, it's, like, a sweet 
tune about Christmas, but it sounds like really like debauched the way that he <laughs> sings it. It's like like kind of fucked up. Let's you know? be Santa. Yeah, it sounds like unpleasant. Like it sounds like Santa's <laughs> going to be unpleasant when he arrives. Like you're not going to want to talk to him. All I know is, so I was introduced to this album um, years ago now when I was uh, recording piano for this awesome uh, folk artist Huna. We were recording her album Marum Grass in the studio up in Vermont. And like, we were there for a couple nights. So we were like hanging out at night, you know, passing time. And we were cackling, laughing, uh, watching this video and like just hearing him sing. It was, it's, uh, it's fun memories. It's, I don't know I don't, how anybody listens to this and doesn't have like a visceral, like, like reaction, like something's wrong, but oh, the yeah. world's a mysterious place. Well, it, it is a mysterious place. I mean, he, he always makes choices where I don't understand <laughs> where he's coming from and i think that's what he's trying to do i mean when he was he did like the Vic, victoria's secret ad and it was like what are you doing uh, <laughs> he made some movie where he's supposed to be cowboy and somebody forgot to tell him if you're going to be in a movie you have to have like any discernible emotion whatsoever yeah <laughs> i remember the first time i saw him i was in college and i was so excited i was like at the height of my it was like first year of college i was in like dylan mania and uh I went to see him and he played, I think, all of the songs that I w- wanted to hear, but I didn't know that they <laughs> were those songs until like maybe it would be like two or three minutes into each song. And then I'd turn the person next to me and be like, wait, is this like a Rolling Stone? Oh, like, oh yeah. He ch- he, every song he sang with the exact same melody uh, and, and played a completely different like <laughs> tempo. Sometimes the chord changes were different. I had no idea what was happening. Um, and he wasn't playing guitar. He was just playing like this tiny little organ. Uh, it was very confusing. And I was sort of had talked my friends into attending. Oh, with me. so you were on the and spot. And then they were like, <laughs> yeah, like what, who is this guy? And why did you make us come see, why did you make us see this concert? That was also like three hours long. Since the eighties, he's been on the never ending tour, which to me sounds yes. like an episode of black mirror. Like that sounds like a literal nightmare yeah. from hell. I don't, you know, like. I could defend him by being like, well, you know, he's had to do these songs so many times. I can understand I can understand wanting to switch it up. But then it's also like, dude, you can fucking go home if you want. Like, Why, why are you yeah. inflicting this on, well, on people? Yeah. Maybe it's part of some sort of Faustian bargain he made to become <sighs> successful. The, it's like, okay, you can have famous songs, but uh, you're never going to be able to play them the same. And you'll have to play weird versions of them for the rest of your life you know what that's a perfect place to end on because that's a better explanation than anything i've been able to to figure out well bob dylan if you get him if you get him when the getting's good he's uh he's a great artist he's a very good vocalist and uh yeah i mean surely no one else has ever come forth with that opinion until today but we did it we did it i feel like we should be congratulated for that i i think so i think we should get the what was the medal what was the medal the congressional Medal of Peace, or what the fuck did he get from Obama? Congressional Medal of Honor. Yeah, we should get the Congressional Medal of Honor. If he can, I think we're next in line. Yeah. Mr. Matthew, what did we learn today on this episode of Losing My Opinion? I think each of us held our opinions strong. We held our opinions. I think I was very passionate about mine. I mean, I feel strongly about Randy Newman. I I, I think he's way misunderstood and... um yeah, he's like he's like a songwriting hero for me. Just like the, the story songs and uh, the way that he's not taken seriously is just very upsetting. Um, I also learned that I probably want to break out 
that Dylan Christmas album at a party at some point. It's and smash like it. one of those things where it's fucking smash it on the ground. It's one of those things that you could put on when you're in a group of friends and start making people laugh. Uh, part of me feels like it, it was almost like his intention to do something that insane, though. Not like, oh, it just came out like this. Like, he clearly knew what he was doing. Yeah, right? I could I could definitely see that. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, I learned that, uh, you know, sometimes y- even you, uh, with tastes as fine-tuned as you have them, even you can miss some great songs once in a while, such as It's a Jungle Out There. But, you know, I, I can oh, forgive. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you're going to really go to bat for that song. Okay. Uh, maybe I just, I didn't like Monk as much I mean, as you did. I, I only would ever half-watch it. But... It's, it's put on at like 10.30 and half-pay attention to it kind of thing. Okay. I like Tony Shalhoub. Oh, yeah. I like Big Night. Oh, yeah. Everybody likes Tony. All right. Well, uh, are we any closer to having catchphrases? You like uh, So Long Suckers? So Long Suckers, I think, is a good one. I, don't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't think of a better one. All right. Uh, so you, got, you got So Long Suckers, so that's canon now, and uh, I'm, okay. I'm still looking for mine, so if anybody has any ideas. Take her easy, maybe something like that. Take her easy, nah. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> nah. We'll 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 keep it for now. Okay, I'll think on it. Thank you for listening. And uh, rate, review, subscribe, give us a like. Uh, whatever options available to you, we'll, we'll take whatever we can get. Uh, it helps the podcast out. Bye-bye. <laughs>